The number one problem facing every automaker and supplier is recruiting the talent they need. Baby boomers are retiring by the thousands, and the auto industry is struggling to replace them. On this week's show, we dive into how automakers can attract new talent. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. You know, everywhere I go in the automotive industry, the number one complaint I hear from car companies and all their suppliers is they cannot get the talent that they need. There literally is a crisis in recruitment in the automotive industry right now, and that is what today's show is all about. Joining me to discuss this issue are Brad Holden from Holden Richardson, a headhunting firm, if I can call it that. You may. Okay, very good. And Jessica Robinson with the Michigan Mobility Institute. I'll bet most people haven't heard of it. What is it, Jessica? Not yet. We're brand new. So we are a talent organization focused on defining the curriculum that professionals in the mobility industry will need for the future. Okay, perfect, because even though we've got problems today getting talent, we're going to have even more as we move forward. But, Brad, what is it about what I just said? I'm I'm not exaggerating. Every company I visit, when I ask, what's the biggest issue facing you? They say, we can't get the people we need. And it's at all levels. You know, it is executive recruitment. We're busy. We're as busy as we've ever been. And and the demand coming into this year is unabated. It's just it's 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 the uh, demand for senior level talent. But then when you sit down with the senior level talent or the senior HR people, they're looking at you for any other solution. What can you do for us at the you know, the high pots, the up and coming, the next level executive, as well as, the, you know, it, it filters down to the factory floor. People, you just can't find people to you know, to work. Jessica, I'm sure you've run into this issue as well. We have, and it's actually part of why we decided to set up the Institute. I came from the mobility services business and uh, saw it myself with my own eyes. And so last year we announced uh, that we were going to start down this path and try and understand what the need for mobility talent was. Um, We actually spent some time doing some research with BCG and really validated uh, exactly what Brad said. Um, In the next 10 years, we believe that there'll actually be a need for 100,000 new professional level workers in mobility um, with in the next 10 years. So this is this is a problem now, and it's continuing to grow. And that's not even at the skilled trades or on the factory floor. And we'll get into that, too. Yeah. But let's talk t- uh, technical talent. Mm-hmm. Is it because technology is changing that there's a shortage? Are there not enough students graduating with the technical skills? What is it? Well, I think are you talking about technical in terms of the educational, like a engineering background? Yeah, or techni- I guess. Yeah, well, you know, the, the demand for it, you know, certainly as the electronics industry has continued to explode, the software industry has exploded, you know, the demand for it has pulled, you know, just increased beyond what the schools are producing. You know, the, the, the compensation levels in that have created a war within that level for this talent. And, you know, and it, and it is the number one. You, you sit down with CEOs and they'll tell you, I'm not worried about my management team. I'm not losing an ounce of sleep over that. It's the 50 wrecks I have open in engineering. And, you know, if you can't get engineering talent, you're not going to get the product out the door. I, I mean, it's a it's frightening, actually, for, for a lot of these CEOs. Yeah. And that's what that's what we <clears throat> heard, too, is they can't fill the open wrecks today 
because, in part, the background. Well, hold on. What's a rack? Oh, a rack. Well, you're, you're the, you're the well, HR the, you guy. Know, the requisition. No, um, <laughs> just the open spot. I mean, you know, a, you know, a person will go, like the engineering manager will go to HR and say, "Hey, look, we've got, you know, we've had people leaving, retiring. They've been they're going to other other uh, employers, so they're open jobs, and so that means HR is authorized. It the leadership is authorized spending money and so filling those for requisition. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I've it's, not heard that. It's, it's literally yeah. the open seat yeah. where the company has right. done the justification to say we need to hire this person and they can't um, yeah, because just... there's there's not enough of them or they may not have the, the right the, the talent base with the right set of skills and so one of the things we're seeing in engineering is um, so much of our training today is focused on one discipline maybe electrical um, but the jobs that are being filled now require skills in that but also um, computer programming, also robotics, but also the ability to combine knowledge and all of those disciplines <clears throat> together. And that is not something we've historically groomed inside uh, companies in the auto industry, and that's typically not the way it's taught in, in a university. Is it, have the universities not caught on to this? Don't they see opportunity with uh, channeling students into the disciplines that would get them jobs? So they, they do, and we're seeing, we are seeing a recognition there. Uh, it goes back to they just can't do it fast enough, thing yeah. one. Um, but thing two is really that connection to industry to understand um, what those skills might be. Um, and there's something else that's happening, particularly here in Michigan, and it's the perception of this industry as a great place to start your career. And so we're also seeing uh, many students, let's say, that have done a traditional computer science degree, they don't think of coming to our companies. They're going to the tech, tech companies on yeah. the coasts um, because they don't fully understand the potential for their career. Um, so one of the things we're also excited about is shifting the mindset about the benefits of taking a job within mobility. Is, is that changing because of, you know, electrification, oh, autonomous cars and all? I mean, the industry is kind of getting sexy again. It is. Um, I mean, uh, one of the things that I think is also really cool about <clears throat> it is we're starting to see... Um, people come from different backgrounds. So I was sharing, I, I studied anthropology. And, you know, very few of us in the social sciences. <laughs> I love this. Um, anthropology oh, to mobility. But it led to marketing. It's perfect. That's right. Yeah. Um, within engineering, um, but also those technology leaders that are on the front lines, they're bringing a different approach. Um, so one of the things we're doing at the Institute is actually creating our advisory board. Um, one of the women that's joining, um, Dr. Uh, Anita Simgupta, she was the head, um, she was EVP of engineering at Hyperloop. Um, but before that, she worked at NASA and she designed the landing system for the Curiosity rover. She's now working with an eVTOL company here in Detroit. Um, so she has a completely different uh, perspective on what mobility means in the future than maybe people who have been around this industry before. Yeah, no kidding. Her uh, idea of mobility goes all the way to Mars. <laughs> to Mars and back, right? Brad, what is it, though, about corporate America? Because if you went back to, say, the 50s, the 60s, maybe even into the 70s, corporate America would hire the best and the brightest, and they just train them. Yeah. Now it seems to me they expect students to be handed to them on a platter that have got all the right skills. Well, I, you know, I think, again, going back to the competition for these skill sets, whether electronic manufacturing, electrical engineering, manufacturing engineering, software engineering, um, you know, the opportunities to work on stuff that's so much more sexy and so much, you know, SpaceX and, and you know, organizations like that. 
uh, have really siphoned off a lot of the talent. That's the, that's what the traditional car industry is competing against, and and I think that's a bit, you know, it, and it's not, you know, it's in Detroit versus Silicon Valley versus you know, uh, you know, Seattle. Uh, it's it's a it's a bad you know it's it's there's just a whole lot more out there that for this generation is much more appealing and sexy. You said earlier that you, you have clients who say I don't wor I'm not worried about my management team it's the technical team but it seems to me you're running into issues trying to recruit uh, top talent like you do executive talent. Well, again, they have the same. You know, we did a, a search for one of the major OEs, and and it was in their in their propulsion group. And at, at the end of the day, they wanted someone very senior who came who knew how to develop software. Mm -hmm. I mean, and but they didn't want an automotive person. You know, they wanted someone to bring a different skill set, different perspective to it. So this was an automotive company that did not want an automotive person. Correct. They said we know how to we know how <laughs> we know how to design and and apply. You know, the the. You know the technology to our products. We want someone to come in who's got a completely different thought process on how software is developed and, and how uh, how it's applied to the to the as a solution. Mm -hmm. How open is the tech world to coming to automotive? Well, you know that's a that's a challenge. Again, in part because of location. You know, a lot of this research is in Austin, Texas. You know, it's in Phoenix. It's in Silicon Valley. So you know, Detroit. Uh, when it's 50 below zero, <laughs> it, it, it does become tough to compete with. Yeah, and, and I would say, you know, I, I experienced a bit of that in my own personal journey, um, not coming from auto as traditionally defined. Um, and for me, Detroit was unexpected, but uh, a place where I could have a great quality of life and be part of multiple business units that were thinking about doing things differently. Um, and one of the things that we're also seeing is people that have a connection to Michigan or this industry um, and maybe have left are considering coming back or doing it in a different way. Um, because when you think about it, and of course, I'm assuming we're all biased at this table, when you think about this, the scale and the scope and reach that you have when doing work within some of these traditional companies, you can't get that in a startup. And so for those that understand that and maybe are a little further in their careers, they might actually be drawn to that. Um, and then, you know, I always believe if someone comes here and they see what we have to offer in Michigan, the business community, quality of life, I mean, then I, I'm willing to believe that we can still hook sure. up. Yeah. Well, I remember during the recession, yeah. it, it, uh, Business Week was doing a story on talent mobility, not mobility mobility. And the, the reporter called and said, with the recession, why, isn't, why aren't people leaving? Because they love it here. The quality of life is, you know, is, you've got great universities, you know, you've got, you know, uh, great business climate, business center, you've got technology. It's, and now downtown Detroit is hot. I mean, I think, I think people are looking at Detroit as a, as a potential destination going forward. It's just that there's a lot of competition. There, there is. And, you know, we who live here in the Detroit area, sure. Michigan, are so focused on that. But I got to tell you, I hear the same problem in recruitment with European companies, with Japanese companies. So it's, it's not just a Detroit issue. It's the, the way that the traditional auto industry has been looked at, I think. But I do see that starting to change as we get into electrification and autonomy and mobility and the like. Mm -hmm. As I said earlier, you know, yeah. the, the industry is starting to get sexy again, but not everyone has caught on to that yet. No, and, it, and it's funny, the, the, the Detroit piece, 
um, because it's something at the Institute we're actually pretty firmly committed to is that there will be a new center for education in the city of Detroit. Um, and when you talk to startups who are looking at the best place to build their business, they recognize they should come uh, here because they can have the OEs and the tier one suppliers as first customers. So many times they are opening those first offices. So we're starting to see that um, great flow of um, new business and new talent coming into the industry. But then so many times they've said, oh, but I still need to open a dev um, office in San Francisco or New York. So we're hoping that we can actually yeah. grow this talent locally, um, you know, attract the best and brightest from around the world, but also train Detroiters and people from Michigan so that um, we're actually starting to fill that funnel um, with people that are already here. Do you see a change with a younger generation? Are millennials more interested in getting into the auto industry now, both at an executive level and at a mobility level? Um, I mean, from what I've seen in my own eyes, um, the answer is yes, if, if they can see the path, if they can understand how the um, classes that they've taken in elementary and high school in robotics and math start to connect in. Um, and then they also need to see, I think, leaders who you know, look like them and come from different backgrounds. And so if we can do that, I, I have to believe um, that they'll want to come into the industry. Um, and then the, only, the other thing that I saw in building some of my own teams is a connection of purpose is, is so important now. And I think, again, I'm biased, but mobility is it underpins so many other things that whether you're a traditional engineer or someone with a background like myself, mobility is an enabler to many other things in life. And so for those that are connected to purpose, um, this industry is a great place for them too. Well, and I think that's where electrification's coming in. You know, it's environmentally, you know, it's environmentally positive and, and, and people feel good about, you know, looking at the new propulsion technology, whether it's, again, and it could be, and it involves all sorts, I mean, it's a hardware, so it's, there's certainly mechanical engineering, then there's thermal engineering, then there's, you know, then there's power and power management and storage. There's all the controls aspect to it. And so, you know, it's, it really is attracting, uh, you know, uh, this, the millennial, but by the same token, it's all, all of that's also creating this competition we're talking about. Mm -hmm. What about this gig economy, too? You know, we, we've been talking about uh, people coming out of school with uh, the, the skills, you're able to recruit executives. We're talking at a fairly high level, but increasingly, people don't go to work for a company for the rest of their lives. I mean, that's yeah. almost unheard of these yeah. days. It's yeah. more the gig economy. Do we need to make changes mm -hmm. to sort of grease the skids to make it easier for people to move from job to job, company to company? Mm. That's a great question. Yeah, well, you know, there's in the in the new technology companies. One of the challenges is it, a job generally comes with a non-compete because the technology is so, you know, it, it's it's protected and and so it, it does it it does prevent people from just hopping around and it does tend to lock people in unless they leave and and go back into a more traditional you know traditional kind of role. Oh, interesting. So if you're in a high tech area, you might get. Locked in to stay in a company? Absolutely. Well, yeah. The other thing we're seeing um, as potential need for is some sort of validation or certification of a, a skill set. And traditionally, it's been a degree. Um, but we can see a world within mobility that there are 
um, types of jobs that maybe fall within the gig economy uh, that can be swapped. So maybe you work on a fleet for one company or a fleet for another, but there's a standard uh, where it's independent and kind of third party defined to say you can do X, Y, and Z. Um, maybe, you know, like a tradesperson in the past or even today. Um, and the institute, the work that we'll do might actually start to define that. So you might go and get your autonomous vehicle fleet manager certificate, like your health, your health certificate when you work in the restaurant industry, right? Um, and then you can take that place to place and it's recognized that you've done the base level of work. So is that what you're working on, too, or one of the things that you're working on is identifying what possible kind of jobs and skills and hence degrees or certification is needed? We are. Um, and, and one of the things that's fascinating is I imagine it's also, you've seen this, too, is um, sometimes the jobs that we post for in the industry aren't exactly what we're looking for, but we're, look, we're trying to find the language and the reference points to our existing structure. Uh, for what that, that new person should be like. So one is really digging in with our advisory board technology leaders to say, here are the pieces of knowledge that someone needs. And then also try to say, well, how does one acquire them? Uh, and then start to build the curriculum around that. And so we're working on that um, at the professional level for those that might be reskilling or upskilling. At the executive level, folks that have led um, an auto um, automotive supplier or an OE in the past that may not have been focused on mobility. What does he or she need to learn? Um, and then the skilled trades piece as well. Um, so we're looking across those. Um, and then the last piece for us is we actually believe there's a need for a new type of master's degree. So it goes back to what types of um, certifications do you need and what might it mean to have a master of mobility in the future. So, yeah, we're, we're, we have um, uh, big aspirations here, but it's all driven by what the industry needs, and I yeah. think that's different. And well, are the universities open to doing this? Yes, so far. I know you're heard, just getting going. Yeah, but. We, we have heard absolutely. Um, and that's one of the things I and then um, a business partner well as well know from our past experience is um, how to kind of navigate within the industry to do um, new frameworks and new models. I worked on uh, setting up corporate accelerators in the past, which again is a very different beast inside a Fortune 50 company. Um, so we know we can bring industry to the table. There's a, a screaming need. Um, and we're, we've gotten lots of interest uh, from universities, whether here in Michigan um, or internationally. So um, no shortage of interest right now. It's about figuring the right set of pieces to pull together. What do you think, Brad, in the future? Are you going to have one of your clients say, Bradley, go out and get me a master of mobility? <laughs> could very well. Could very well. But, you know, another opportunity for the gig economy and for people who that we see growing too is this whole the staffing companies and you know the the engineering firms because it'll challenge the millennials i mean they get to work on a variety of different products for projects for a variety of different employers on a variety of different technologies so it say you know it, it satisfies that you know that is need that a growing to, business oh my god yeah yeah temporary employment is a is it you know the solution or temporary staffing is a big market right now. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't aware of that. What about, you know, we, we talked about it ever so briefly. What about blue collar? What about skilled trades, especially? Because again, in the automotive industry, and, and this is true of manufacturing yeah. in the United yeah. States, we're literally at a critical shortage, almost a crisis, really, of skilled trades people. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so there's a shortage today. I mean, again, here in Michigan, we are tracking shortages in construction, 
Um, but this, this goes across that em employment um, level. And in the automotive industry, we talk many times about the disruption um, to driving jobs as well and the, the number of folks that potentially will, will lose those careers um, because we won't need drivers anymore. Um, but at the same time, kind of going back to this idea of a, certif uh, a certificate, um, there will be new jobs created to uh, run those fleets and, and support those systems. Um, so there's a, a company here that had to basically invent a new title, which is a, a field autonomous engineer. Um, you've never recruited for one. No, I haven't. Went to no. school to, to find one, um, but it's because it's this, this hybrid. And you know, in this case, that person has a four-year degree, but honestly, they may not need to in the future. Um, and so, yes, there will be disruption, um, but we think that um, there will be uh, equally interesting, if not better paying jobs uh, in the future to, to run these fleets. And so the work that we did again with BCG suggests between 65 and 75,000 new workers in the next decade just in this skilled trades yeah, level. Man. Yeah. yeah. But the manufacturing, manufacturing is in crisis. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, we're, we're probably doing, if I told right now, the, the, the level of demand for manufacturing talent, both at the senior level and then, you know, we don't, then at the, at, the, at the floor level. But it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of retirement. Uh, there's a lot of companies looking at replacing the people that they have in place. You know, the, the, you know, the demands, on, certainly in the, in the auto sector, of, you know, continually improving are, are there. And, you, and with, you know, certainly one of the issues is tariffs and how it's eaten and eroded everyone's profitability. Uh, and so they're looking for ways to, to gain some of that back, and it can be in through manufacturing and plant floor operations, mm -hmm. uh, operational improvement. And that, but but the hourly worker, it's a it is it's it's very tough, and companies are having to be extremely creative in finding solutions and, and people. How do we get that turned around, Brad? Especially at a managerial level, I've never met anybody. Uh, going into college, who says, you know, I'm going into manufacturing. Yeah, I've never met one. Now, some of them come yeah, out with yeah, manufacturing because yeah, 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 yeah. they sort of stumble into it. Right. I've never met anybody who says, I'm going to college to learn manufacturing. Well, I have. Okay. Well, you're into it more than I am. But how do you right. turn that around? Well, uh, you know, I think through internships. I mean, I think that you know, a lot of these manufacturing people are, in fact, degreed engineers. And most of them are mechanical engineers, not surprisingly. They grew up working with their hands. They liked, work, they liked fixing the lawnmower or, or you know, the snowblower. And so that attracted them to, to manufacturing engineering or, or to mechanical engineering. And you know, those are the people you want to ideally put on the line in frontline supervisory roles, either as an intern or as a co-op student in, in the programs. I mean, I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah. But it's, you know, you're right. I mean, it, it, um, but manufacturing today, too, requires a different skill level than manufacturing used to. You know, today, whether it's a you know, discrete manufacturing or process manufacturing, the, you know, the control systems that are, that are managing the workflow, the material flow, the, you know, the, 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 the you know, quality measurements, all, I mean, all of that is, it really requires a, a high degree of, of uh, educational background and, and professionalism. Jessica, your thoughts on that? And would uh, the Michigan Mobility Institute 
you know, look at? What, what can we do for blue-collar jobs and, and skilled trade in particular? Yeah, so skilled trade out, out in the fields, uh, for sure, as these systems are deployed. Um, and I think the, the question you raise inside the plant is an interesting one. I mean, we've already seen such a, a change in the technologies that are used. Um, I think what, where the Institute will probably have the most direct role immediately is potentially helping those managers see um, what they should be hiring for and potentially even coaching those managers through change as well as, as they bring more robotics into the line. Um, there's this idea of co-botting, which is how do you work alongside a robot? Um, what does it mean for someone on the line to do that? Um, we think we can play a role, um, but we're, we're as focused on um, creating the education now for those people as they may transition into different work. Mm -hmm. You know, the good news in all this is what you guys are saying is lots of jobs are going to oh, be yeah. open. Yeah. And again, is maybe part of the challenge for the automotive industry or manufacturing in general is selling that. You know, any ideas on, and maybe your institute is perfectly positioned to do that, selling the idea that this is a great place to pursue a career. Yeah, well, and anyone who knows me personally knows how much of a champion I am for this work. Um, the state is making tremendous investments in helping people see um, what a great industry this is to come into. Um, but I think the other piece is um, it's shifting the narrative that, you know, this is not bending metal as we're known for in the region. This is about um, working with world-class technology. Um, and the reality is, if we don't collectively figure this out, um, there's at least a 6x gap in the people we're going to need in the future and where we have now. So we have to. Um, we all have to get on board with this story um, that this is a, it, it's a great place to be um, and really important work and, and quite challenging. I mean, yeah, I'm sure you've no heard question. this, too, in your recruiting. Yeah. As people start to understand what the work is, it's, um, it's much more intellectually stimulating than I think you would assume from the outside in. And Brad, you must see opportunity, too, because boomers are retiring by the day. Yeah, well, that's what we're—there's a lot of retirement at this yeah. stage. You know, things are good right now. Everyone's portfolio looks pretty good at this stage, and, and people are retiring. There's a lot of vacancies because of retirement. That's got to be good for your business. It is. It's terrific. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. But it creates—but but by the same token, there's a lot of competition for these people. If, you know, if someone raised their hand and said, well, yeah, I'm interested in that role— that means they've done that to four other people as well. I mean, they're looking at a variety of different opportunities. And, and they can choose. I mean, they, they really can. What's the biggest competition to the auto industry then? The tech industry? Well, I think in the, in the traditional tech jobs, the answer is yes. I mean, you know, I think that's, you know, as, as, we've, as we've discussed, the new technologies are, you know, um, and, and it could also be in the you know, tech industry as it relates to computer technology. You know, it's the Dells and the... And, and, uh, Microsoft's, uh, it's a, it's, it's, it demands enormous. Yeah. Well, very interesting discussion. Lots of jobs out there if you get the right training. But yeah. I want to thank you both for uh, this discussion. Brad Holden from Holden Richardson. Thank you. And Jessica Robinson from the Michigan Mobility Institute. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having us.